when we spend so much time looking at these 2D images and then go and look in the mirror, naturally we just start to compare those images when in reality we're such complex whole beings with like so much to offer besides the flatness of our stomach or the size of jeans we fit into. Um, so it's kind of like objectifying and I think we can start to objectify ourselves. Welcome to Not A 10 Podcast with Mary Griffin. You guys, I am so excited about today's episode. If you guys know anything about me, body image and relationship with food, that that is a topic that I am just so passionate about and so like into after like experiencing my experiencing it myself. So today I am with Chloe Kunstler, who she is a non-diet registered dietitian to be, which I really want to get into that term. <laughs> yes. She has an MS in biochem biochemical nutrition, and she runs an Instagram page that focuses on body image, intuitive eating, and mental health. And I'll put her handle in this in, in this like bio of this episode so you guys can give her a follow because her Instagram page is awesome. And before we dive in, I do want to put out a trigger warning that we are going to talk about eating disorders, body image, things like that. So if that is something that may trigger you for whatever reason, just beware um, before listening to the rest of the episode. So Chloe, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. This is like, I could talk about this stuff all day. So oh, girl, me too. <laughs> it's just so important nowadays, but um, so I talked about it a little bit already, but Chloe does run a really awesome, positive Instagram page about body image and relationship with food and intuitive eating. So like, I just think we should just kick off and just be like, we live in a day and age that social media is everywhere. It's TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. And it seems like there's girls and guys out there who are perfect. Like, and mm -hmm. they post a, what I eat in the day. Like, and there's just so many people telling you what to do. Like, do this, don't eat before eight, like all that stuff. And I think social media just like, it can be a good thing, but like with, when it comes to body image, it has drastically changed some people's perspective. So what do you, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, you're spot on. Like, I think it's so, and especially with COVID when we were even more glued to our phones and computers, you know, I noticed it within myself, just relying on that as like our social interaction almost. And the thing about social media I mean, it sounds so obvious, but it's two dimensional, right? Like it's these flat images and even videos are two dimensional in a sense because you're not seeing the whole person. You're not with them in 3D space. And I think what that does, I mean, even like Facetune and filters aside, um, the effect of just seeing these images all day that are edited to look like the beauty ideal and, you know, in our society, right. it's not being with a real person. You know what I mean? Like when you're with your friend, you're not hyper-focused on her body parts. You're just like, you're so fun to hang out with. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're making jokes and we love each other and give each other advice. And the things that you appreciate about real people aren't conveyed on social media as easily, you know? Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I think that when you 
when we spend so much time looking at these 2D images and then go and look in the mirror, naturally we just start to compare those images when in reality we're such complex whole beings with like so much to offer besides the flatness of our stomach or the size of jeans we fit into. Um, so it's kind of like objectifying and I think we can start to objectify ourselves. Yes. You know, it um, totally impacts like how you look at yourself. It's yeah, so sad. And like, and like what you just said, like reminds me of this one post that it was like at your funeral, like no one's gonna be like, oh, she had six pack. Like she had a thigh gap. Like, yes. no, they're gonna be like, she was so fun. Like she was right. kind. Like, and I was like, yeah, you're right. Like no one's gonna talk about my body at my funeral. Like it's not oh, that important. Exactly. I, I love that. That's one of my favorite posts too. Mm-hmm. Like same. I think that this all boils down to just feeling like we're not enough as we are, right? Like we're told we have to like kind of mold ourselves like these little dolls into like the perfect being. And I think if we just kind of take a step back and notice like like from an abundance mindset, like all the things we are and that we're so much more than our appearance, I think that can be even more effective than oh no, I'm beautiful and I'm gorgeous because we are beautiful and gorgeous, but like we're so much more than that. And if you can just remember that one, the images we see are all constructed and construed and not real Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, But two, that like, you're not a photograph. Mm -hmm. You're human. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And like, I think you posted this, you were like, it's not even today, like about body acceptance. It's about Mm -hmm. not putting your worth in your body. Like that you posted that I was like yes I was like yes. girl I was like I yes. totally feel that like totally. that you can accept your body but like that shouldn't just be the only thing that you like put your eggs in one basket about like you you're so much more than just your body yeah because I think like I think that there's so much emphasis on loving yourself and that is a really great tool and I do think that in the journey towards body better body image we need to just focus on the fact that like people aren't fixated on our bodies Mm -hmm. you know when you meet someone that's not what they're focusing on they're focusing on all that you are right Um, so that can be more powerful than like yes I love myself every single day (laughs) yes yes totally and like that's something that I had to like make a shift to because I feel like we are so like into like accept your body love your body like but there's like a whole other side to that um and like with social media I remember like I struggled with a body image and like my relationship with food, like, and training spiraled downhill. And when I started discovering like more and like started educating myself more about like body image and things like that, I remember one of the biggest advice I got was like, do a social media clean out, like unfollow those accounts that make you sad. Like unfollow the accounts that tell you to eat like uh, 1200 calories a day. Like unfollow those and like follow accounts like Chloe's follow (laughs) our girl Victoria Garrick like follow good Instagram pages like and I just remember I was like unfollowing unfollowing I was like my feed is so much better I was like so much happier and go lucky so true like we don't that's something I feel like we don't talk enough about is just you're literally getting like thousands of images into your head every single day right So you're so right that if we can control that and um, I even like encourage people to really tune into their like bodies when they're on their phones and really think about like what's sort of making me like body check. Like, am I looking at an account and kind of holding my stomach or sucking in or looking in the mirror and comparing? And 
you know, obviously that would be like the Kendall Jenner accounts, but it could also be, you know, even like a well-meaning account that, you know what I mean? That isn't trying to be triggering. Yeah. And they put like workouts up. They're like what I eat in a day. Like, and I'm like, Oh, that's not what I eat in a day. Like, should I be like, or something like that? Yeah. Those videos send me into a downward spiral. Yeah, like, so I'm like, oh my god! I like put, uh, on TikTok. If you guys don't know, you can hold down the video and hit "not interested," and it will show less videos like that. So that's a good I, tool to learn if you guys yeah. don't know about that yet. That's but yeah, social media like it can be great, and there are really good accounts. Mm-hmm. We talked about this before. Like, um, we started like recording this episode, but like there are really good accounts, but then there's really bad accounts. Like, find. <laughs> find the difference find the good ones and also follow people with different bodies like you know Mm -hmm. people who are disabled um people of different races besides yourself and um you just start to really quickly see yourself as like one in seven and a half billion (laughs) different types of people you know as opposed to like I'm not size zero Um, right exactly that that's so true and like the more you educate yourself the more you become aware of like mm -hmm. all the different people out there like it just is like okay like you aren't supposed to look like a certain way like there are seven and a half billion people and there's seven and a half billion different bodies like and all of them are going to look different for whatever reason like I think that's just so true and like I just think social media like we can definitely like make adjustments to it and like you guys have the power to make adjustments like if you need to Um, so yeah, that's like awesome. I love everything you just said, um, with social media, I kind of learned about the next thing we're going to talk about and that's intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. And I learned about that and I was like, what is this intuitive eating? Like based on what I heard at first, I was like, okay, it's eating like what you want, like when you want. So I was like, oh, is that just like eating pizza and like ice cream all day? But as I started reading more about it, I was like, okay, it's really not like that. So could you just like tell us a little bit about intuitive eating? Like you are the expert, I feel like, and just, (laughs) and just like go into what it exactly is. Like, why is it helpful? Why do people start doing it if they maybe beforehand, like don't have the best relationship with food? Right. Yeah, totally. Um, you're absolutely right that one of the biggest myths is that you just, well, we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, but like the idea that you would just go and eat all of those foods that you never let yourself eat nonstop all day, every day. Yeah. And instead, I think it's really helpful to think of it like you are tuning into your body's needs instead of all of these external rules about when to eat, what to eat, how much to eat. You mentioned the, what I eat in a day videos Mm -hmm. and these, I mean, people don't use the word diet anymore. Like Noom doesn't call themselves a diet, but these are rules that we're fed, you know, as though we should like follow this exact regimen. And I think that kind of getting to how we're all different and all have different needs we have different energy needs from day to day. We have different cravings. We have different um, foods that sound delicious. And the idea of intuitive eating is really to tune into those hunger cues, the fullness cues, and also give in to what sounds delicious and satisfying. And the kind of paradox that I think is so important to learn about it is that it actually reduces things like binging. It reduces that feeling of out of control around food because that binging was coming from the restriction. Mm -hmm. So intuitive eating is really allowing yourself full permission 
to all foods and really reducing the kind of moral value we put on foods. The pizza is not bad. The salad's not good. They're just different and they serve different purposes. Yes, exactly. And like, at first when I was like, all right, like I would eat pizza and ice cream. I know myself, like I love those foods, but actually like before I work out, like I'm not going to eat pizza. That's just not going to make me feel good. Like I'm going to eat maybe like chicken and rice, like, or whatever. Like it's really just like listening to that. And also like you touched upon it, like listening to your cravings, because if you don't like that can lead to a cycle of like restricting and then binging, because I know like this is, this is what happened to me. Like if I wanted cookies, I would be like, okay, I really want cookies, but I, I shouldn't be eating cookies. So I'll eat like yogurt instead. Like, yeah, yeah, like I'll eat like yogurt instead. And then I'd eat the yogurt and I'd be like, okay, like I still want the cookies. So I'll eat like peanuts. Oh, okay. I still want the cookies. So then I would just eat the cookies. And I'm like, if I just ate the cookies and listened to what I was craving, like I wouldn't have had to do all that. And just like, cause I was eating it anyway. And like, just things like that. And I do think that is a really big cycle people get into and like intuitive eating and listening to your cravings, listening to what is going to make you feel good in that moment is so important. And something that a lot of, it takes practice. It takes practice. It's, I mean, this could be like a few years of a journey and like, you know, even then you're still always kind of grappling with these things. Um, I think that, uh, there's so many stages and kind of like moments of growth, but you're always going to fall into that because we live in diet culture. So we're always learning. Um, yeah. And I think what you said too, about kind of running around in circles, like avoiding those foods, it just causes us to hyper fixate. And there was a great study where they actually fed, it was in like the forties, I think it was like Mm -hmm. war um, (laughs) soldiers or something. Right. But (laughs) an experiment where they cut their food basically in half um, and they were obsessed with food. And that's what we do when we restrict, we're obsessed with the foods we can't eat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think I heard about that study. Like they were, they like cut it down and the guys like ended up switching career paths. Like they were so like restricted of food that their thoughts like revolved around food. Like one guy was like, I'm going to become a chef. Like another guy was like, like a food critic. And like their whole world started revolving around food because they were like restricted. Right. And one of the things I learned that kind of like blew my mind was that, I mean, this is like a modern day example of what we're talking about, but I used to watch cooking shows like obsessively, Mm -hmm. you know, when I wasn't letting myself eat the cakes and the delicious foods. I was like obsessed with cooking, Mm -hmm. still love cooking, but, um, yeah, there's something like your whole world, like seems to revolve around it. Um, yeah. So like intuitive eating kind of ties in with like what I wanted to talk about next was, is that, is that cycle of restricting and then binging? Like why do people restrict? And then why does restriction often lead to a binge? Right. So, I mean, I think we restrict because since we were babies, like we've been fed messages about food. I remember, and, and food, how food affects the body size, you know, and again, with the kind of fat phobia in our society, it's always that larger is worse and smaller is better. So I, you know, I always think back to when I was in like elementary school, I loved all the delicious foods because they're freaking delicious. Yeah. And <laughs> it was this really though, like, quick education. And like, I love these foods, but they're going to cause me to gain weight. And I watched people say that weight gain was bad. Mm -hmm. And I learned from like bullying that like being called fat is a bad thing. So, you know, these messages about 
how food's going to change your body and then you'll be less accepted and you'll be less desirable and less, Mm -hmm. you know, connected to your loved ones, Mm -hmm. which is a lie, but yes, it's our society. Yeah. Um, sadly. Sadly. So that's kind of restriction. And I think kind of what we've been talking about, like with the starvation experiment, um, when we restrict, we become overly fixated on the foods we're restricting. And I've heard it so many, I can't even tell you how many times my friends have been like, you don't understand Chloe. Like I can't have Oreos in my house. Like I will, you'll eat them all. I'll eat them all. (laughs) I'll have like boxes and boxes. (laughs) And there've actually been really interesting studies. It's called like food habituation, but it's a really, it's just a fancy word for saying like when foods around you a lot, you get less interested in it. So if I literally said to you, Mary, like, can you imagine eating a tub of ice cream for every meal (laughs) for three days? Oh my God. By the end, I would be like, ew, like, I don't want to eat ice cream. (laughs) Get it away from me. Like, this is disgusting. (laughs) Even though ice cream is delicious and a great dessert, we Mm -hmm. will not like trust your body that you will not need it all the time. Yes. Um, but again, yes, you're absolutely right that when we restrict, that is when the binging comes along mm-hmm. and that feeling like, you know, I'm so out of control because it's rare to have it around, you right. know? And like going with that, like when you do restrict, like, yeah, it's easy for you to go grocery shopping on your own, do stuff like that. And you're not going to buy all this stuff, because if it's not in your house, you're not going to eat it. But like something that I experienced personally is like, okay, I wasn't buying those stuff. I wasn't around that um, in my house, but I would go to a birthday dinner. I would go out with my friends. I would go to a dinner Mm -hmm. and I never used to like eat carbs. And the second we sat down there was carbs in my access, I was eating like carb after carb bread, like sugar, everything, like, because I was just never around it. So the opportunity that I was around it, I was going all out and I was like, okay, I need to slowly start incorporating these things like into my diet and form that relationship back with foods that we've labeled as bad as a society. Exactly. And that, you know, feeling of reaching for the bread was your body talking to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, give it to me. Like, <laughs> you're an athlete. Like we yeah. need glucose to the brain. And I think that's another component of this is like food science wise, like it is fuel, you know, yes. we label bread as bad. Like it's literally just glucose. To yeah. Your brain. <laughs> yeah. Like anything, like too much of anything is bad. Too much salad. That can be bad. It doesn't like, it's just, we're, we need to like stop labeling this stuff and just look at it as like, it's bread, it's lettuce. Like, okay, great. Like yeah. move on with the day. Like, yeah. and it's hard to like, really like change your perspective on that, but just like catching yourself in those moments and like exploring like why, why can't I control myself around bread? Maybe I'm not eating enough bread or like allowing myself to eat enough bread throughout the day or whatever. Yes. Um, I want to validate, like, like I want to validate that feeling of overeating though, too, because the binging, you know, that feeling of like eating past the point of comfort, like that Mm -hmm. is really hard. And I think the point is to get to a place where we're seeing all food as fuel and joy and comfort, but you will, when you intuitively eat, you will see the reduction in like that feeling where you need to like lie down. You're so full. Yes. (laughs) You know, like you are like past the point of like comfort, like, and uh, yeah, definitely been there, done that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of people like 
with the social media, with just like self-criticism, like they, I know like looking to a full, like standing mirror, evaluating every inch of your body, like comparing with other people, let's say like you are having a negative body image like moment and you're dissecting every little thing about you and just in this like stuck mindset, like what do you do in that exact moment that can help you like do like a quick fix, but also will help you in the long run? Great question. I think that for both quick fix and long-term, one of the most important things is to know your triggers. So, I mean, body image is so complex and it's really an emotional experience. I know it feels like it's physical because you're like, no, my body is gross or whatever other horrible things we say to ourselves, but it is an emotional and mental health experience. And that means that there are going to be things that happen in your environment that trigger it in your brain. And if you can kind of prepare and go into situations being like, this is going to be tough, like trying on bikinis at like Target or whatever, like this is going to suck, you know? So I know for me, it is looking in my bedroom mirror, getting ready for outings with friends and Mm -hmm. it's tied in with anxiety or PMS or stress, fatigue, you know, all these other components of our lives. So the reason that's important is because when you're looking in the mirror and you notice this moment coming on your body checking, or you're feeling really just gross. <laughs> um, if you can sort of look around and be like, okay, I'm wearing jeans that are not serving my body right now. It's not that I'm incapable of squeezing into these jeans. It's mm-hmm. that they are not doing their job of fitting my body right now. Right. Yeah, like the jeans are the issue, not you. The jeans are messing up and yes, not it's on the job. jeans. Yes. Right. I'd like to call clothes like our little employees. Like mm-hmm. we hire them. Yeah. And if they're not working, like you fire them. And oh, okay. I like that. Like, like you're trying to, they're fired, fired. <laughs> and you're the boss, right? Like, yes. I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's helpful, but I also like, it also just can be really sad to try on a pair of jeans you like, and they're not fitting. And those are valid emotions. Um, but so to answer your question of like, you're standing in front of the mirror, you're starting to sort of notice your heart's racing, you're sweating, you're uncomfortable, you're anxious, step away from the mirror. You mentioned that before we started recording, like Mm -hmm. step away from the mirror (laughs) and do something like sit on your bed or something else that's comfortable. Take off the clothes that are causing anxiety because they're not serving you. Close your eyes maybe hold your stomach or, you know, just touch a part of your skin to kind of calm yourself down and take a few deep breaths and really just, really just focus on like feeling safe again. Because Mm -hmm. I think when we get into that mindset, we sort of, we see ourselves as like images in the mirror. We're like, Oh, I'm not Kendall Jenner. Like I hate myself. Right. Yeah. And if you can do anything to just connect back to your body and tune into what you feel, you sort of remind yourself that you're a human with needs as opposed to an Instagram photo. Right. Um, And so that's really helpful. I also like to maybe get like a drink of water or lie down because again, it can be from fatigue or even like thirst or hanger. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's like recognizing like what's happening in that moment, recognizing that you are experiencing that stepping away, doing the things that you just said, like can really like, because you want to, it's mostly like 
a lot of triggers can be from like getting ready to go out with friends, like, or like you're going out in public, like whatever. And like, you don't want to, like, you're supposed to have fun that night. Like you're supposed to, like, you don't want it to ruin the rest of your night. Like you're supposed to be having fun and just things like that. So like stepping away, recognizing that that's what is going on, I think is super important. Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing to remember is like body image is so, I don't want to say arbitrary because it's valid. Like what you're feeling is so valid, but Mm -hmm. it is dependent on things like the tightness of your clothes. Right. I like to think of when you wake up in the morning and you haven't eaten or drank yet, and you're in these huge baggy sweatpants, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you feel like quote unquote smaller or lighter versus after a wonderful big meal with tight jeans, Mm -hmm. feel a different way. Yeah. So like, you're always the same body. And I think just creating comfort around you to feel as good as you can in your skin and connected to your body is a really helpful strategy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it just happens like in the morning, like the pair, like pair of shorts that you might be wearing, like right in the morning might fit you a little bit differently. Like after a whole day of doing all this stuff, cause your body is doing that work for you. And like, that's just, it's just going to happen. Like your that's your body doing work. That's your body, like helping you get through the day, like at, as your best self. And like, just recognizing that it's super, super important. A hundred percent. And, you know, also body images about, um, can be about anxiety. I think I know in college I had my worst body image and mm-hmm. I think it was really tied into just social anxiety. Yes. <laughs> you no, know, yes. I was like, are people going to like me at this party? And am I going to mm-hmm. be awkward? Like, am I yes. entertaining? And so we sort of project a lot of those feelings onto our bodies because it's yeah. easier than just yeah. sitting with the anxiety. Yes. Uh, that's so true that yeah. like, it, like, it's not, maybe it's not even a hundred percent all the time, just from like lack of like that confidence or body image acceptance or whatever. Sometimes it can be triggered by other things and that's going on. And like, is that like you, I'm asking, like, is that some, why, like a lot of times we do see it when people are like making those transitions into like a big milestone in their life. Like they're going to college they're maybe they just got into a new relationship. Like, is that why, like sometimes those things can like cause a spiral with it? I think that's so spot on. And I think the more people can reflect on that, I think like therapy also really helps, Mm -hmm. you know, just zooming out and being like, what else is going on in my life right now? Like, why am I being so hard on my body? And that brings up another really helpful strategy, which, you know, I think when these inner critic thoughts pop up and we feel we're so cruel to ourselves, it feels like we start to get mad at ourselves for the inner critic it's like a whole other level of like yes. you know it's like why am I being so mean to myself it's mm-hmm. like that's also mean to <laughs> that's also like yeah. frustrating like right. like there's and two mean voices now yes um so if you can just think about instead of like being quote-unquote really kind to yourself think more about just having like a friend sitting next to you in your head mm-hmm. just a friend like a neutral buddy who's just like yeah, you're going through some hard times. Like, you know, your life's been really stressful or you're going to college. Like this is a Mm -hmm. huge transition or you need a new pair of jeans that makes you feel good. You know, yeah, just that little voice of like putting into context what's going on and how it's affecting your body image. Yeah. It's kind of like separating like your actual self 
with those thoughts like exactly. putting like two separate completely different things yeah that's that's great advice like <laughs> I'm gonna use it for sure like like I've come a long way with my body image but there's still like I still struggle like there are those moments there are those triggers like and I think that that's such like great advice and I love it and I love firing <laughs> I love that like firing jeans that don't work I'm like you're fired like I'm the boss like exactly you cannot run me like I love that um um so I've talked to you about this like I am an athlete I play lacrosse at Virginia Tech and I think a lot of people who listen to these episodes are student athletes in college or high school and or like know someone who's an athlete and I think that is a whole different like relationship when it comes to like training wanting to perform at your best fueling your body like being in a team like it is like so different and so crazy that I really want to like start talking about this um so I think like a lot of athletes really struggle with the balance and having that relationship between like training what food to eat when do we eat because we are like in such a rush that like I feel like I am not really thinking about what I'm eating. Like, I just need to eat before practice. And then like after practice, I'm like, oh my God, I'm starving. Like not really listening. And I'm always constantly around people. Like, so, um, and like training, like I know I was in a cycle of under eating and over training. So I wasn't even performing at my best. So like what type of things do you have to say about like athletes and their training, their relationship with food and fueling their body? Yes, so much. <laughs> and I'd love to hear, I mean, you know better than anyone yeah. in it. So I'd also love to hear more about your experience. Um, yeah. But I think like, I think that nutrition is so weird because in some ways it's really complicated. Like I got my master's in nutrition science and it mm-hmm. gets complicated really fast, but it's also really simple. And I think that especially for athletes and people trying to reach sort of optimal fitness and or thinness as a woman too, and man, Mm, um, like it diet culture sort of casts this notion, this like myth that you have to like optimally fuel. And I mean, you do have to optimally fuel, but I mean, optimally like nitpick your food to be like the perfect mix of everything. And I think that as you're mentioning the intertwining of sports nutrition and disordered eating as well, Mm fueling enough is the biggest point for athletes. I think you mentioned earlier, but like so many times I've heard stories of, especially, you know, young women who, um, heal their relationship to food and start to eat more and their performance like skyrockets. Yes. Right. And so I think there's these myths about like, maybe we even hear it from coaches or teammates about thin, always being better for Mm -hmm appearance wise in our society, but also for sports. And that's kind of a myth. Like, you know, one, you're going from high school to college, your body's literally growing because you're becoming a woman. Like yes, the freshman 15 thing. I mean, it might be about maybe more food or whatever, but you're also just like growing up Mm -hmm. into like strength training. Like that's a whole different, I didn't strength train until I got to college. And so like all that stuff, it, you do change and it happens. It happens. And, you know, exactly as you're saying, like when you strength train, like there's hypertrophy, like you Mm -hmm. are gaining weight from the muscle, maybe some fat too, but like, you're just growing into yourself and, um, yeah, strength training can have that effect. But I think 
what's so damaging is this idea that thin is always better when it comes to athletics, because you're using so much energy per day that the goal should just from a place of abundance be like, I need to give my body the little pockets of energy it needs to like be this badass athlete that I am. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah, And like, like, I feel like I totally resonate with like everything you just said. Like I went into a cycle of counting my calories, like, and, and then like binging because I was starving after practice and like not feeling my body. And like, also I was scared to put on like, um, weight, like, when it came to like benching, I was like, I know I can bench more, but like, I don't want to, because I'm scared that I'm going to become really muscular. Like I'm someone who puts on muscle, like pretty easily. Like I am like lucky in that situation, but like my thighs got way bigger. Like, and at first I was like, Oh my God, like that is so bad. Like I need to make all these adjustments. Like, I feel like I'm not like, it's not going to help me. Like my big thighs, like I know, people who are great athletes who have like six pack, six pack and like a thigh gap, like stuff like that. And that just wasn't how my body was looking. So I made these like drastic changes and making those drastic changes. Like I didn't even get the body I wanted. Like I, my relationship with food and training was so skewed that like, it didn't even work. Like <laughs> my ultimate goal, like I did not get to it like because of how like mentally draining it was like, and if I just like, I like know now that like, all right, like if I, I'm an athlete, I need to eat carbs. Like if I'm going to practice or after practice, like there's certain things that like will help me like restore my muscle and like things like that. And looking at playing our sport, not as why we were playing the sport, but more so like I saw cardio and like our running and our fitness training as a way to burn calories rather than making me the best athlete I could be. Like, I was like, all right, like we're running sprints today. This isn't going to make me a better lacrosse player. It's going to make me skinnier. I love that. Like, and just like, even like in, like when we do it as a team, I hear people being like skinny girl season. I'm like, no, I'm like, stop saying that. I'm like, no, no, no. Like we are doing this so we can be the best lacrosse players. Like, and like, I just think looking at like, looking at training, like separating training from like why like trying to get your ideal body like I think that's something I really struggled with oh my god a hundred percent to everything you just said I think um I wanted to point out like when you said oh she has a thigh gap or like he has mm-hmm. a six pack or whatever or she has a six pack <laughs> mm-hmm. um it's I often think of like we're all different cars and we need different fuel like mm-hmm. and I also think literally genetically people are just built differently and body composition, how you build muscle versus deposit fat, like those are genetic. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this again, gets to what we were saying of um, you're more than the appearance. Right. But when we think of like Gatorade commercials, we saw one type of body running track or whatever. And it gives off this notion that like, Oh, I see her with a thigh gap. I should eat like her mm-hmm. or train like her one. She could have disordered eating and, you know, right. maybe yeah, we don't know. Right. And two, maybe she just was born with that. Mm-hmm. And like, we're all different cars with different needs of like gallons of gas. And when we right. really think of ourselves as athletes, I'm not an athlete per se, but like you're an athlete mm-hmm. and you are going to be using food as exactly as you said, like, fuel like glucose for your training protein for muscle building fat to help just with so much stuff in your body yeah so 
this is the danger of kind of learning that food is just about weight gain and weight loss when really it's, it's like gas in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the bulking up, I think this just gets to the like false notion again, that thin is the, I, you know, we've been mm-hmm. fed a certain think of the body spectrum, like all of our different bodies on this huge curve. And we've been fed this image on the very, very tip. 5% of bodies have been represented in the media. So when we lift weights and do something badass and start seeing our bodies changing, it's so valid that it feels scary because you are used to a certain body and it kind of can feel like it's out of control. You're like, what's happening to my body? Right. You almost feel like puberty where you're like, yeah, it's just like changing. You're just like, what's going on? You're so like lost. Exactly. And I think it's so understandable to feel a little out of control and like, whoa, like this is new, Mm -hmm. but kind of taking that step back and being like my purpose on this world, on this earth for these years that I have, which are not super, it's not a long, like super long life. Like Mm -hmm. I want to kind of cultivate all these parts of myself strength and being powerful is one of them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I was so like driven on like cardio, like I didn't want to lift over a certain amount of weight. Like it just like, I was just striving for a body that like I genetically, I don't think I could ever get without, without like being like with being healthy. Like I couldn't be healthy and have this like body I wanted. And like after reflection, like I was thinking, I was like, when was I performing at my best? Like, when was I feeling good about the sport? Like feeling good about my level of play? It wasn't when I like per se looked my best according to society, but like, and I just like really hit me that like, I was like, I was performing at my be- worst when I was, when I had the worst body image and worst um, relationship with food. And I just think that's just something that it took me like really like deep reflection to like actually understand that. And I think- it's just something that a lot of people like struggle with and like athletes really do struggle with. And I like my first step of trying to heal that body image, like luckily I do go to a school like Virginia tech and like the athletes that like hopefully listen to this episode, like hopefully they have similar resources, but like I met with my nutritionist. I was like, it's free. Like, why not? Like they're professionals, like, and they know, like, and they'll help you. Like, and it's just like, I was, I'm just like upset that I didn't take the step further and like, just like talk to them sooner. I think that's so important. Like use the resources that you have. And like, if you don't have the resources, like what we said, like use social media for good. And like, I know I had like my fitness pal, like the the calorie tracker apps, like delete those. Like, it's not, it's not helping you. Like, yeah, it really isn't. And like, one thing I do want to dive into, because this is something that I experience, and like, sometimes I feel food revolves around like control and being a student athlete. Like sometimes you feel like you're out of control. Like you don't, you're not on your own schedule. You don't get to eat like per se, like when you're necessarily hungry, like Mm -hmm. sometimes I eat, I'm like, I just know I'm eating this because I need to go to practice. I need to have energy. I don't feel hungry. And also like traveling is a big thing. Like we go to restaurants that like normally I wouldn't go to, or like we get our lunch catered, our meals catered. And like, maybe it's not something that's like totally in my normal, like, like whatever. So what do you, what are like advice or tips you have for athletes who like maybe feel like out of control in that sense and like, don't have that much freedom with their food. I think that's such a good insight that I wish like all college athletes knew and reflected on because 
you guys are so busy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's so much expected of you. Like I think college is like this anyway, but you have so much responsibility that a lot of college kids don't have. Mm -hmm. So it's a really great reflection. You just made that like, I'm maybe I'm looking for control through food. Yeah. And also, you know, we were talking about like food habituation earlier, how if you were given ice cream every day, you're going to start not like wanting the ice cream. Like if you're traveling on the road and there's not access to really crunchy, fresh vegetables, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a fair feeling. Like, Oh, I kind of want a salad, you know? Right. Right. But I think the best advice I can give, I actually think intuitive eating is a really great tool for athletes because one, it, it, intuitive eating highlights hunger and fullness cues and you're cues are going to drastically differ from a day you're watching like Shit's Creek all day like having yeah. a <laughs> versus you know running around going to training so when you can tune into the hunger and fullness you can literally say like no I need like three quesadillas and like mm-hmm. a side salad right now like I need a lot right. of food. yeah and then you can stop when you're full and again reduce the binging if there is binging um but I would honestly say intuitive eating is a great tool, but I also think with someone like a student athlete, you know, better than I do, mm-hmm. you might have half an hour to grab some food. Right. And I think intuitive eating is great. It is a tool, but there are also situations where you're not like perfectly intuitively hungry and like you yeah. just have to eat. <laughs> yeah. Like we just like, it's our time frame, Right. And you're gonna, <clears throat> excuse me, you're about to burn like, like a thousand calories. Like you need food. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can kind of plan out, I would say grocery shops that really prioritize like quick snacks and easy, quick meals, like even frozen meals, right. anything realistic for you is going to be the right choice. Um, right. So in that way, you can kind of regain some control, not from a way of like, oh, I have to be the skinniest I can be, but from like, I'm going to regain control in fueling myself mm-hmm. for this crazy hectic day I have. Yeah. Yeah. Like trying to stick to a schedule is like really hard and like fitting food into that is really hard. So like knowing what works for you, like you are the expert of yourself. Like I know like sometimes if I'm not hungry right before practice, I'm like, okay, but maybe within the first hour of practice, like I'm going to be hungry. So I'm going to bring a bar with me. Like I'll bring something with me. And like, I know our trainers are awesome about that. And if they're not awesome, then they're they shouldn't like, no, like they should be allowing you to eat if you're hungry during practice. Like we need to as athletes and like things like that. So like just knowing like what works for you and like, I'm sure like your team, your coaches, your trainers will be flexible with you because it is such an important part of being an athlete. Right. Exactly. And you know, the goal of intuitive eating is yes, to find freedom with food, but it's also to like eat in ways that feel good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that will mean a salad, like, you know, kind of getting back to what we were saying before, it's not only about choosing foods you've never let yourself eat before. Like that's a huge part of it, but you will also get to this place where like, you really want baby carrots and hummus because the genus, the coldness, (laughs) the protein, like it's going to start sounding good to you. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, just kind of neutralizing food. And as you said, hopefully you have people in authority who are really supportive of that. Exactly. I think that's so important and important and like being a student athlete and like 
food and training, like it can get a little tough because there is like not as much freedom. Like we have a trainer that's telling us you have to do these workouts. Like we're doing these runs and like during this time, like we're eating this, we like Virginia tech, we even have a nutrition center. Like, so sometimes like we have food like given to us and, uh, but there's like so many options, which is awesome. But yeah, like student athletes, like I definitely recommend, like, don't look at the Nike models. Like, like, don't like your, our bodies are not going to look like that. Like none of my teammates and I like have the same body, but we all bring something different to the team. And like, we're successful because we all have different strengths. And I think that's just so important to realize that like, we all don't look the same, but like together, like we have different strengths and we can become successful. I think that's so important. I think that's important. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like one of the last topics I think is we talk a lot about like our internal, like body image and like how we see ourselves, but like, how do you go about like being a supportive friend, family member or significant other? If like someone, you know, is struggling with body image, like some, like sometimes I don't know what to say, like, or I give like, I feel like I'm like, is that bad advice? Like, I don't know. Like, so what tips do you have to like be supportive with someone who's struggling? I think that, I mean, the sort of tricky thing is that with behavior change, we think a lot about readiness and it's what's so hard is that when someone is at a certain phase, they're very entrenched in the diet culture beliefs. They really think they have to be thin to be loved. And, you know, they're just not at that point yet where they're sort of ready to contemplate changing. There's unfortunately, like we can't just push them Mm -hmm. (laughs) to feel good about themselves all the time. Right. And I think the more we can kind of meet people where they're at, the better. And that might mean for someone who's never heard of intuitive eating, you're just like, Hey, I found this thing that I love. It feels so good. It works for me. Do you want to listen to Victoria Garrick or like Christy podcast? Like I'll send you the episode. Right. And maybe you plant a seed. And I think just not, I mean, it's, it's sad, but like, unfortunately not expecting like a huge jump in like a month. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And really, I always remember how long my process was and how much learning it took. So if you can kind of help guide them at the point of change they're at while also validating their feelings, that's always the best strategy. Yeah. Like I like the idea of planting the seed. Like it does take patience. It does take like, you just kind of want to shake the person be like, like, why can't you like see like the way I see you? Like, I just don't understand. And like, maybe someone who's never been through like struggle with their body image or food, um, they might not understand, but I think like taking it slow, like doing the little things will really help. And like, just like being a supportive friend through it all. I think that's really important. Like don't push them. Don't like try to force them into anything like, cause it is their journey. And like, you can be alongside for it, but at the end of the day, like they know themselves best. Totally. And I, I mean, we also like think of kind of eating disorders and disordered eating on the spectrum. And if you do feel like one of your friends or family members has a clinical, you know, eating disorder, that's really disrupting their life you know, and it could be like medically dangerous as well. Um, that's a situation where it might be taken more seriously than just like, Oh, I've noticed you have some Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, problematic thoughts about food. It's like, you know, that person might need like treatment. Right. Um, and in that case, I think really making sure to guide them to a professional. I know that there's a lot of kind of phrases that 
I always heard growing up around people with eating disorders, like, oh, just eat like you're perfect, mm-hmm. you're beautiful. Like you won't gain weight, just eat the food. Right. And unfortunately, like eating disorders are so complicated and need so much treatment that as family members and friends, it's really best to just like show them, reflect to them kind of what's been going on and really try to get them into treatment. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There are like, it could be like a totally different, like one end to another, like struggling is struggling, but it can look different depending on who it is. And like, what would you say like for a lot of coaches like out there, like it's hard to go about like athletes and like talking to their athletes, like, and sometimes like some coaches may like um, relate like your playing ability to your fitness and like your body image. Like, like some coaches even go as far as like relating like weight gain or like things like that. So how would you like address that? Like if you are on the other end and like receiving that like feedback, feedback in air quotes, like <laughs> more like just like being rude, but um, like as an athlete, just being like, whoa, like someone who's like, has that much power over like my life is like coming at me and being critical, like my body and like my training. It's so hard and it can be so traumatic. Like, yeah, no, someone's talking to you about your body there. I just, the message I want to send everybody is that like, no one's immune to diet culture. Like yes, scientists, coaches, teachers, parents, like everyone grew up with the same Atkins diet messaging Mm -hmm. and like, you know, supermodel messaging or whatever. So unfortunately, like that trainer or that coach has been influenced by all that crap. (laughs) Right. And I think it's really hard. I think from my perspective, I'm like, I want to go in and like educate coaches about harm because they need to learn about what fitness actually means. Like fitness Mm -hmm. is measures of stamina, flexibility, power technique. It's not it's not fat content. <laughs> yeah. It's not something you can like physically see like it's no. through action. Exactly. And as you've been saying, like performance can skyrocket when someone fuels more than we've been taught to fuel. Like right. people and are like, gonna- if they aren't skyrocket, like if they aren't in their best, like position of level of play, like correlating that to their body weight or like something like that, it just doesn't make sense. Like, it's no horrible. And I think if you're an athlete and this has happened to you, like you know, if you do go to therapy, like try to talk about it and process that. Cause that was not okay. Like, yeah, no, that like, was freaking awful. <laughs> yeah. That's horrible. It's And like, it's hard in that moment to be like, oh my God, you're going to think that you're the one who's in like the wrong and like, you're going to the one who has the issue, but really it's them. It's them projecting about something like, or it's them like just having skewed like ideas of what athletes should look like and like being a, a victim to what society has taught us. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I do, I also with Chloe, I do apologize if that does happen, had, or does happen to you. Like, I'm very sorry. Like that should not be happening. Like, especially with, and yeah. also to anyone, like if someone, if a friend says that to a friend, like, I'm sorry, like they're not your friend. Like yeah. no one should be talking to you about yeah. that. Like no one should be making those comments. Like, yeah. it's just horrible. Like, yes, it's just toxic. It's so toxic. And you're so right that it is always a projection of like their body image issues. I mean, Mm -hmm. no one would say that if they were perfectly happy with their bodies and their food relationship. Um, But I think like the more you can kind of gain knowledge in this area yourself, the more empowered you can be to be like, okay, that person's struggling. (laughs) Like, yeah, like, you know, 
like they're so, like, they so, yeah like oh that's on you right like <laughs> that's you right that's but a you issue that's a you thing um <laughs> not a me thing but I think until we're educated about body image and intuitive eating and health at every size which is a whole other topic but mm-hmm. the more you can kind of create that boundary to be like even compassionate towards them like I'm really sorry my coach feels that way like that must suck for them yeah to- like, ooh. Well, that way about food. like, hopefully food. like you get in a better mindset, like yeah. soon, like hopefully like, you get some, some help or some right. love soon. Right. Like <laughs> totally. Right. Um, but thank like Chloe, like you are just so, I feel like you're my vibe. You're this my was vibe. Fun. I love this. <laughs> you are fun. Like you are educational. Yeah. Like every single thing that you stand for is like something that I want to like instill in myself. And I want to preach out to the universe and like, and to society and like social media and like, if you guys listen to this episode, like, like one, thank you for listening, but two, like really take this advice and like try to instill it in your everyday life, like body image and relationship with food and intuitive eating. Like it's such a, a risque topic sometimes. And like, sometimes people can, it's a lot of pressure and a lot of like anxiety around it, but like, there are things that can help. And like, there are things that you have the power to do to change it. And like, you guys can do it. Like you can get there. You can restore it. It's possible. Follow those good Instagram accounts, unfollow the bad ones or whatever. Unlike the TikToks, like things like that. Like there are things you guys can do and like Chloe and follow Chloe on Instagram. Cause her Instagram rocks. I'm going to put the handle in the bio. I already said that, but like really <laughs> check it out. Um, yeah. Chloe, is there any last little message you want to give out to people or, I mean, you okay. killed it. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're awesome. And I love what you're doing with your podcast and oh, your thank you. just, yes. Thank you. It. I'm really um, excited. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, but I think, yeah, to everybody just like when in doubt, try to be your own friend. Like yes, society's not our friend. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. we're, it's not easy to be in a body in this world, especially as a female, honestly, we get so much crap thrown at us. So try to be that voice that like, we're not receiving from society. And I think we talked about Instagram, like we're getting that message more and more. So try to just get those friendly voices in your head as much as you can. Yes. Yes. Amen. Chloe. Love it. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It's probably like one of my favorite episodes so far i just love i could talk about this all day but thank you chloe and i hope you guys all out there listening have a great rest of your day